people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. And here we are. Welcome to Kidney Talk. How are you finding this hotel that we're at? We're on location, by the way. How are you finding this hotel? I love this hotel. Oh, my God. Because I can't the pool's stand this in the hotel. Middle and I have a great room. It has a balcony right over the pool. And yesterday, we saw a couple of doves mating outside the window. What you can be saw that? a couple of... Th- yes. Things when I saw they were, them, they were, they were flirting they were filthy, with each other. They were dirty pigeons. They were white doves. They were they not white. They probably just left a wedding, and they just were inspired by the wedding. That's and funny. When somebody here. has a wedding and they throw doves up in the air, where do they go? Well, they obviously came to the hotel trying to find a new home. I convinced my wife. She wanted doves and everything, but I convinced her to do lizards because they're part of the environment. Well, we're going to be talking today um, with Dr. Carol D. Romando. Oh, my God. Carol D. Romando. Yes. And she's in private practice at Diablo Nephrology in Walnut Creek, California. Private practice. Does that mean like nobody can go there or it's, what? It's, well, what it's a private mean, practice. Actually? Well, we'll have to ask her. But we're going to talk today. I always see that private practice, but That it's was like, a show. That's a show on TV right after Grey's Anatomy. Private, private practice? Yeah. You watch all that stuff on TV. I haven't TV. watched it. I TiVo'd it. I haven't actually watched it. Well, you know what? I, I suggest that you erase your TiVo because they're wasting your time. Well, we I know should that be you, exercising according to the doctor. What's your favorite show? What's your favorite What's show favorite that you sh- have on TiVo? Oh, Which Judge one? Judy. Yeah. <laughs> Judge Judy. I, I, I stock them. <laughs> you stock the Judge Judys, yeah. huh? Yeah. Well, she's going to talk to us today about the importance of having a healthy heart and what we need to do with chronic kidney disease. Um, we're at higher risk. Right. So. What could be more important than having a healthy heart? Yes. And a good mm-hmm. heart. And a good in, heart. In a, healthy heart. a healthy heart. You know, a lot of people don't know how to take care of their heart. Well, um, I know. And has your heart been broken a couple of times, Stephen? It's been broken, but I bought an extended warranty. So it doesn't cost me anything to get it fixed. Oh, I just love pretzels. Let's, let me see here. One serving is six pretzels? What, are they kidding me? Who only ate six pretzels? I have to stay on my renal diet. I know. I can bite part of one pretzel. Then bite the side of another pretzel. And then I hook them together and I can count that as one pretzel. Mm. Boy, that was good. You know what I love now? A big gulp. Now if I fill it up halfway and then drink it and refill it to the top, now that won't count towards my daily fluid intake. Or will it? Make the connection. Eating high-sodium foods makes you thirsty, which will make you retain more fluids. Do you want to share a tip on how to stay within your fluid limit? Email us at kidneytalk at rsnhope.org and we'll let our listeners in on your different tips. And 
welcome to Kidney Talk. Carol, oh my God, pronounce that last name. I can't stand it. What is it? Di Romando. Di Romando. Can you say it with an Italian accent? I don't think so. Oh. Do you like Italian food? or? Oh, well, actually I do, but I'm only Italian by marriage. And what is your maiden name? Rogers, but they misspelled that too. They, what do you mean they misspelled that? Well, it spelled R-O-G-E-R-S and people kept trying to put a D in it. Oh, see, because I thought oh, that I was Oh, I always a, thought it was with the with like, no D. Well, see, like, there you go. That's why I changed my name confused. to my married name, D. Romando. Is, is it easier to spell your name now? Because it's D-I-R-A-I-M-O-N-D-O. I didn't know there would be a A-I in there. See, well, I dropped the I when I originally spelled your name. I see. Well, all it's I can say is it took me a long time to learn how to spell it, too, but I've managed. <laughs> so is your husband, like, really Italian and stuff? Oh, about half. He's half Italian? Mm-hmm. Now, is, is Italian food heart healthy? It can be. Oh, wait, let's tell everybody who you are. <laughs> let's tell everybody. So you are, like, a nephrologist mm-hmm. that specializes in, like, heart stuff? And well, stuff? no, not, uh, not see, specializing. See, I was Lori no. told me that, and she lies. Oh, well, you see, I actually... I'm an internist, which is a uh, physician who specializes in medical diseases of adults. Um, And I have specialty training in kidney diseases. So I take care of patients with chronic kidney problems and uh, folks who are on dialysis. But wait, you're still in school? You're an internist? No, I graduated long ago. (laughs) What is an intern different from an internist? What is the difference? Ah, well, um, an internist is someone that's gone through an internship and at least uh, two subsequent years of medical training in internal medicine. So internist is the short name for someone who specializes in internal medicine. They're looking at the inside of your body. Oh, I couldn't figure that one out. (laughs) Internist. Do they have an externist? Those are dermatologists. dermatologists. (laughs) Ah, Or chiropractors. And we don't really call them doctors. Okay, so um, what is an intern? That's a student, right? An intern is uh, someone who has graduated from medical school and it's their first year of postgraduate training, actually. And there's four years of that, right? Usually one year of internship and then two to many more years subsequently of further training I for your specialty. An, I played an intern on television. Yeah, I never graduated, even though we were on for seven years. <laughs> I never graduated. There was a reason for it's, that, It's kind of like Fonzie going to high school, you know? He was 40 when he finally graduated high school. Why is it so important for people who have chronic kidney disease to take care of their heart? Well, actually, chronic kidney disease is now recognized as a major risk factor for developing coronary heart disease. And in fact, heart disease is also the leading cause of death in patients on dialysis. And patients with chronic kidney disease, actually more patients um, with chronic kidney disease die from coronary disease and actually progress to uh, kidney failure and the need for dialysis. Mm -hmm. So it's actually very, very important for patients with kidney disease to take good care of their hearts. Well, I know um, with a transplant, it's also very important as well because it's interesting. You start focusing on the kidneys and when you're on dialysis, one of the things that happens is you gain fluid and uh, you drink fluid and then they have to pull a couple of liters off of you and that really causes stress on your heart too. And when you when they pull a couple of liters off of you, Lori, it's you know, it's the bottles. <laughs> they have to frisk her down before she went on oh, dialysis. Yes, They'd always pull two liters of rum from her belt. <laughs> you haven't seen me drink. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I've never seen her take one drink, but I, I love to tease her. So, you know, it's it's funny because uh, I know that they won't give you a transplant unless you're heart healthy. 
Well, that is correct, in part because the surgery itself can be a strain on the heart, mm -hmm. and because there are so many fewer available kidneys than there are uh, patients who want kidneys, the transplant centers try to pick the patients that are likely to live a healthy life with that kidney for a long period of time. So it has nothing to do with the way the person's fashion sense is, whether they get to the top of the list or not? Um, not to my knowledge, at least not in the San Francisco Bay Area that I know. When you have a patient that comes to you, what are the first thing that you tell them about taking care of their heart? I do tell them that while we do focus on the kidney, it's very important to focus on their entire health. And a very important part of their health is to maintain a healthy heart. And so we talk about reasons and strategies to lead a healthy lifestyle mm -hmm. and what I like to call uh, healthy heart habits. Mm -hmm. And those include uh, what we would tell everybody, whether they have kidney disease or not, as far as maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And that includes if you smoke, quit smoking, extremely important. Does anybody smoke these days? I mean, I don't know how the cigarette companies stay in business other than the European countries, because I work over there, and they, my God, they never stop smoking. But here in America, nobody seems to be smoking. Unfortunately, even in California, a lot of people still smoke, and it's mm -hmm. very important to stop smoking to maintain um, a healthy heart. We talk about healthy lifestyle as well with regards to mm -hmm. physical activity and exercise. Mm -hmm. We talk about healthy diets. Uh, particularly with regards to the heart. We talk about low-salt diets. Mm -hmm. We talk about avoiding saturated fat, as well as the many dietary issues that come up with specific patients regards their kidney disease. Well, when you're on dialysis, saturated fat is something you can have. <laughs> No. no. Well, it, well, you can have donuts. If you're not diabetic, you can have the carbs and the donuts and yeah, well, why would you, all the you sweet. You clog your arteries whether you're a kidney patient or not. I know, but it's just, you know, fruits and vegetables. You can't always have all the fruits and vegetables I, you want you know, when I you're on dialysis. I did question when I came over your house that time for breakfast, and I did question when you were putting Crisco on your bagel. <laughs> Actually, patients that are on dialysis do have a lot of difficulty with maintaining a normal cholesterol, and um, it is actually important for those folks, uh, because of their very high risk of heart disease, to stay away from saturated fats. The diet is a bit more complicated because, in general, folks that do not have kidney disease, we emphasize fresh fruits and vegetables, and often those foods have to be limited because of potassium content with our um, kidney patients. The dialysis patients, right? Mm -hmm, the dialysis patients, and some patients with chronic kidney disease as well. Of course, before anybody should go on any particular diet, it's important to talk with your physician about your particular needs and requirements. Oh, before I went on a diet, I, I, I talked to my grocer. And what did he say? You buy everything you can. At Whole Foods. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have a question, that, and I don't think people ask doctors this. You know, everybody's telling us, especially kidney patients, you know, go on the low-salt diet and the low-potassium diet and the low-phosphorus diet. At, at one point, do you just say, you know, I can't do all this at the same time? And if it takes... You know, to me, it's worth taking maybe a year off your life if you can just enjoy the other years that you have. I mean, it's so grueling what we are told to do. Maintain, uh, you know, a blood sugar of uh, 80, 
you know, now as opposed to what it used to be of 120. And, uh, and you know, the phosphorus level and the potassium level and the restrictive water. I mean, how does one live unless they just, you know, lick the paint chips off the wall? Dietary um, recommendations for um, patients on dialysis are indeed very challenging. And that's why, you know, dialysis clinics employ, um, you know, professional dietitians to really help our patients develop diet plans that, you know, hopefully are palatable as well as fit into, you know, a healthy kidney diet. And I won't, uh, I won't deny to you that it's very challenging. On the other hand, it certainly can be done. And there are more and more websites and resources for kidney patients with regards to, um, to recipes that mm-hmm. uh, your dietitian can certainly uh, turn you on to. They need to send a dietitian to the house to prepare the f- food for you. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Medicare pays for that. Oh, it's easy for them, the di- as the, the dietitian, to tell you what to eat, but they're really they're not living your life. Right. And it is you know, hard. They, they bring it's doable, out the, but that it's plastic difficult. food to show you a normal size portion. <laughs> And, you know, they said, don't, oh, and I said, well, I do like, so what, what do you like to eat is what they say. Well, I like to eat, you know, you know, beans or something like that. And they'll say, oh, well, that has too much phosphorus in it. And this has too much salt in it. And this, I know, well, what is left? I want to know what's left. I know eat. cheese was my weakness. <laughs> well, and one of the things that dietitians can work with you on is not just you can have this and you can't have this, but really on portion size and how frequently you can have mm-hmm. special treats. So, so motivation us to exercise what do you tell your patients oh, that's the hardest it I is hard and it's it's really hard for everybody even those folks that really uh, that don't have kidney disease but exercise is one of those healthy life habits that we all should work into our lives to maintain a healthy heart and that's especially true for kidney patients um, kidney patients are at much higher risk of coronary heart disease, and so it's even more important for them to exercise. In addition, chronic kidney disease, particularly when it reaches the stage where you need either a kidney transplant or dialysis, um, is associated with loss of muscle mass um, mm-hmm. just because of the disease itself. And when you have poor muscle mass, you become generally weak. You're more susceptible to falls and fractures and those kinds of things. So our kidney patients, it's particularly important for them to exercise. So explaining to my patients why exercise is important um, sometimes is enough of a motivation, but it's not usually. (laughs) And so we also talk about potential strategies to get more active. In uh, my dialysis clinics, we do have a... Um, extra cycle that can be pulled right up to the dialysis chair that mm-hmm. patients can use actually while they're at dialysis. Wow, that's pretty good. We've had support groups where we've passed out pedometers and run, you know, friendly contests as to who can, you know, Walk put the-, the most miles on their pedometer in a certain men- length of time. But what I ask my patients to do, they just say, oh, I'm so tired, I can, you know, barely get out of my chair at home, and I'll ask them, well, okay, well, um, how far is it from your front door to your mailbox? And they'll say, oh, you know, maybe 10, 20 feet. I said, well, do you walk to your mailbox? Well, I usually send my wife, but I, I think I could walk to the mailbox. So I say, okay, well, you know, maybe that's where we start. Start with what the patients think they can do. You know, mm-hmm. be it walk from the living room to the bedroom and back, mm-hmm. be it walk from the front door to my mailbox and back and say, okay, well, that's a good place to start. Let's do that once a day. 
Does that when actually that, help, though? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, the patients that get the most benefit out of increasing their activity, even though they probably will never run a marathon, are, are the ones those that, that are the weakest. Oh, I, I thought are the ones that get the most junk mail. Well, uh, maybe. Yeah, see, they also get, they not only get cardio, but, you know, they get strengthening exercises by actually, you know, hefting all the junk mail I back. I get so much junk mail. Right. But, but once, you know, the, the folks get into the habit of, you know, at least going to the mailbox or walking one block, mm-hmm. then you say, okay, well, then you challenge the patient. Okay, well, now walk twice back and forth to the mailbox or walk to the mailbox and down to the corner. Mm-hmm. and gradually increase their activity. You know, mm-hmm. write it down, you know, just so you can see how you've made progress. Well, that kind of um, answers my next question, though, because, you know, I was always under the impression that you had to raise your heart rate in order for it to be uh, beneficial. So if I don't go to the gym and get on the treadmill or get on the bike, and I just, I, I, one of my hobbies is uh, growing things, and I do a lot of digging and hauling, uh, you know, sacks of manure. Don't, no, no comment about that. And uh, does that help me at all? Um, actually living an active lifestyle and actually you know, doing some strengthening and being out and active is always beneficial. The American Heart Association recommends that at minimum we do 30 minutes of a moderate intensity kind of activity like walking, you know, most days of the week. Mm -hmm. And you could substitute doing 20 minutes of something more rigorous about three times a week, such as jogging or running. But I think most folks that take care of patients with chronic kidney disease um, would agree that walking is probably one of the best exercises and that pretty much everybody can do either you know, some walking in the neighborhood doesn't take any extra equipment, or at least can do some even sedentary uh, sitting exercises at home. Well, walking at the mall is really fun because it's exercise. You can walk by the windows. And yeah, but, they, but you stop. That's the And only then you problem. buy something, and then you carry, and then you have, then you can lift stuff, then you can lift stuff, then you're carrying bags, no, and that's... It's, no, that it's much count. more effective if you go without your purse. You think so? They so they don't stop as often. That's I know, right. that's true. But oh, you, she's going to stop anyway. <laughs> well, you know, the malls are getting bigger and bigger now. We have these mega malls in Glendale. We're actually building a mall next to a mall. And I would imagine that you could walk quite a bit in that mall and, and get yeah, a lot you of stop. exercise. You're not, you're not, you're, well, when, when, when the doctor says... So you says, can't stop? Well, when the doctor says walking, I think it's not strolling, looking at windows and sails. It's, it's like walking a dog. It's just like walking a dog. Yeah. Well, when I was on dialysis for 12 years, um, all the years that uh, I had a dog... So, and I lived alone in an apartment, so I would have to get up and walk Peppy every morning. And Peppy? You have to, Peppy. Uh, Peppy Le Pew. Uh, it was a black poodle. Oh, and, no. Don't <laughs> tell me this now. And, you know, I really think that he motivated me a lot to just get up and do what I needed to do to live well. And I was 12 years on dialysis, which is, is a, a long time. A black poodle would motivate me to do a lot of things, too, but I'd be arrested <laughs> for them. Um, when we come back, we're going to find out something that I've been told to take 
as a as a supplement that I actually hate. I gag on it, even though it doesn't taste bad. Are you planning a patient or healthcare professional event? If so, you'll want pep in your presentation. No one understands a patient as well as another patient, and no patients are as understanding and qualified as the Renal Support Network's PEP speakers. PEP stands for Patients Educating Patients and Professionals, and they have been trained, tested, and certified to deliver consistently well-informed practical tips and tools, in addition to serving as inspiring examples of determination and hope. Hope is important because without hope, we're stagnant. We just will not move ahead. When I speak to professionals, usually the response to me is, wow, I can't believe you're a patient. There's nothing more rewarding than being able to share some of my story with other people. Helping us to understand uh, what's important, what's going on, how better to provide optimal quality care, and I guess that's what it's all about, is just how to get better at doing what we do. I could teach everybody else about what what a difference it could make if they decided to get involved and just ask questions. Pep speakers have so much information to give, so much knowledge to give, and so much experience. If you are on dialysis, this is not it. This is not it. There's so much more. It's all about what you're willing and what you're open to. RSN Pep speakers live in every region of the country and have lived with every stage of renal disease. They come from all walks of life, and yet they are all walking the same path. If you are planning a patient or healthcare professional event, contact the Renal Support Network. Together, we can make a difference. Dr. D, um, most dialysis patients are diabetics, and that's another very high risk factor for heart disease. Is that correct? Oh, it certainly is. So they get a double whammy, the, the being on dialysis and the diabetes. And most are also hypertensive, and hypertension is also a major risk factor for coronary heart disease. And, and, and most are just hyper. Have you ever <laughs> seen a diabetic? They're, they're constantly hyper, especially at a buffet. They really are. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been, you know, elbowed at a buffet. At elbowed at a buffet. Yeah. Uh, by, me the, being a diabetic, by the I cakes back. and pies. What? <laughs> by the cakes and pies. The, you know, that's also an, another misnomer. You go to a buffet, like in Las Vegas, let's say, and they have an entire gorgeous-looking sugar-free section. So you see these like fat people gobbling down the sugar-free stuff. They don't take an effect that it has tons of carbs in it, which turns into sugar. Not to mention calories. With trying to lose weight when you're trying to protect your heart, it is really difficult. And just like Stephen mentioned about, you know, they say low in fat, but it's high in calories. If you're trying to lose weight to get a healthy heart, is there a recommended calorie level that you should look at? It really depends on your activity level and um, your body size, and that needs to be individualized. You know, in general, to lose weight, it's, you know, a law of physics mm-hmm. that you need to consume fewer calories than you expend. Right. It's, it's strictly math, isn't it? <laughs> it's strictly math, and you can't get away with it, you know, away from it, even though I'm quite certain I absorb calories from the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had patients seriously tell me that. It's just not true. You but, know, but, to lose weight, you got to do the math. Well, what's the, the math. thing about, you know, people's metabolism? Like, somebody skinny can eat, like, 9,000 calories, and they're not exercising, but they just don't gain weight. 
Well, I guess we, we all wish like we had people. that metabolism. And that's why, you know, these things need to be individualized. You can't now, give just one rule as to how many calories to eat and how much exercise to do, and you will lose X number of pounds. It's really an individual thing. But the the principle is you got to spend more calories than you take in if you want to lose weight. Yes. Now, what about this new drug or over-the-counter drug that has come on called Ally or Ally or whatever it's called? Does that work? Is it safe for kidney patients to take? Again, before you take anything over the counter, uh, you know, even without a weight prescription, loss, yeah. uh, you really, for weight loss, herbs, laxatives, diarrhea medicine, uh, pain medication, even if you don't need a prescription for it, you really need to consult mm-hmm. with your doctor to see if that's either safe for you to take or if it's appropriate for you to take. Well, I know omega-3s are very popular now, fish oils. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I was talking about. I was oh. told to take this fish oil, and mm-hmm. it's still in my garage. I cannot, even though it tastes it's in like... in your garage? Or- yeah, why? Why would you keep it in your garage? Because I don't want to see it. So um, it's these little packets, and they taste like orange creamsicles, you know, because I've done it once. But the fact that I know it's fish oil, I start gagging. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't and bother I me. The only thing is, is that sometimes when you, you, you feel like you've just eaten fish. Mm-hmm. Well, the American... But it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's supposed to be really good for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate it, so go on. <laughs> well, about I was that. about to say, the American Heart Association recommends that if... Um, you wish to take omega-3 uh, fatty acids. The best way to get that into your diet and into your system is actually by eating fish. And they recommend that for people that don't have known coronary disease to eat fish twice a week, particularly fatty fish like salmon. Mm-hmm. And for those folks with coronary artery disease, they still feel that the best source of um, these beneficial fatty acids is indeed the natural source, which is fatty fish and salmon, and they recommend that you take in approximately a gram a day. Some people either don't like fish or don't want to eat fish, and then their physicians might, for them, recommend that they take uh, omega-3 fatty acids as a supplement. So the McDonald's fish fillet sandwich, that does not count? (laughs) Mm, I I don't think that would count, no. Uh, I just hate my... um Omega three little packets that of orange creamsicle flavor. So I well, I, I have a little around. capsule like a gel cap. So what? I don't. Uh, well, maybe you should. No, I'm putting mine on eBay. Gel I'm selling them because they're very expensive. <laughs> well, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that some of my friends have unfortunately suffered from calcification. I know in the earlier days you're trying to balance your phosphorus and your calcium, but if it's not managed correctly, you can have more calcium, and it literally makes your heart can turn to stone. It's really your blood vessels. Can you tell us a little bit about how that process works? Oh, sure. The calcium, phosphorus, and parathyroid hormone balance, particularly for folks with advanced chronic kidney disease, really is a factor in accelerating coronary heart disease. It's been known for a long time that patients with particularly advanced chronic kidney disease, but now perhaps even lower stages of chronic kidney disease, do develop coronary artery disease, and the coronary artery disease gets worse faster than if you did not have kidney disease. And we think one of those reasons is because of the phosphorus-calcium imbalance. People who have kidney impairment uh, do not handle the body's phosphorus normally. There's phosphorus in many of the foods that we eat, and we 
as in the American diet and many mm -hmm. other diets throughout the world, actually take in more phosphorus than our body needs or can use. Usually the kidneys get rid of that. When the kidneys don't work properly, they don't eliminate all that extra phosphorus and it builds up. And you can think of it as when the phosphorus builds up, it will pull calcium out of your it's bones. It's like a balance, right? It like is it a has balance. to be like a law scale balance. Right. Phosphorus goes up, calcium goes down, or vice versa. Right. And when the phosphorus goes up, calcium gets pulled out of the bones, which is bad because it makes your bones weak. But worse than that, it drops that calcium in places where you don't want it. Right. It will drop it in your joints and can cause arthritis. It can drop in your skin and cause you to itch like crazy. Oh, but, I've had that. Oh, oh yeah. But most importantly, it will deposit in your coronary arteries as well as your other blood vessels to cause, quote, hardening of the arteries as well as narrowing down of those arteries. Mm -hmm. When that happens in your heart, that makes you very susceptible to heart attack when that happens. Because it in can't the blood. pump. It, gets it, like, it makes it stiff, right? That's right. And it also <laughs> will get into the heart muscle and will make your heart muscle very stiff. But it also clogs up the coronary arteries and makes you more susceptible to heart attack. It will also clog up the arteries going to your brain and will make you more susceptible to stroke. Mm -hmm. It will clog up the arteries going down to your legs and make you more susceptible to peripheral vascular disease and actually um, amputations. Mm -hmm. So control of phosphorus is a very important aspect to maintaining heart health in the kidney patient. You know, there's well, a lot of meds that uh, kidney patients have to take and a lot of people find it very difficult to afford these meds because of lack of insurance or, or partial insurance. I know a lot of the retail outlets are now starting a program where drugs are $4. And, you know, is, is there any detriment to taking those? The generic drugs, you the mean? The generic drugs mm -hmm. or the ones that you buy at the flea market? <laughs> <laughs> well, flea market, I don't know about. I doubt those are FDA approved. But actually, um, I'm very pleased that um, generic drugs are being made more available to my patients, uh, particularly for low cost. Generic drugs... Um, particularly those manufactured in the United States and that are tested mm -hmm. by the uh, Federal Drug Administration are safe to use. They are much more affordable, and so it's much more likely our patients are actually going to take the medication that they need. Mm -hmm. So I prescribe uh, almost always generic medications. There are medications that are very uh, important to many of our kidney patients that are not yet generics. And those, of course, cost more. They're oh, those a little are harder the to get. Real expensive. A little yeah. harder to get. Many of the pharmaceutical companies um, have kindly uh, made some programs available that make their medications a bit more affordable. Um, but you have to qualify for that, right? You have to qualify for that. And if you are a dialysis patient in particular, um, the social workers at the dialysis mm -hmm. unit know um, about many of these programs. And um, if you talk to them, they can help you see about getting some of these uh, medications uh, in a more affordable way. And what about yeah. transplant patients, though? Because they don't have a regular clinic they go to. They don't have a regular social worker. It's and they a, rely, on, and they only get help for three years after their transplant. Yeah, it's, it's a big issue. It's a very um, big issue. So what, what, what would they do? Uh, one, you know, they consult with their doctors. Mm -hmm. um, it is very difficult to get certain um, medications um, 
that are not in generic. I have had some patients that we have had to switch from some of the more expensive brand names to some of the older uh, transplant medications, but they still remain um, expensive yeah. other than the prednisone, which you can get pretty dirt cheap. Prednisone. And it is a real problem. The, the original idea with Medicare and their reimbursement policy with regards to transplant patients, the idea was that when we transplant patients, um, there will be a three-year period where the the patient um, is able to get back to work and get reestablished, and so private health insurance should take over at that point. As we all know, that is not always the situation with our patients, and it really is a very big issue that um, I don't think anybody has uh, the solution well, to quite we're, yet. We're lobbying Congress in a couple of weeks about yeah. the transplant immunosuppressant drug bill. Yeah, I mean, because I, my big thing is, would they rather them have to go back on dialysis, which mm. is infinitely more expensive than taking mm. cell septum programs. I'm sure program. it's not good for your heart either. <laughs> right. No, it certainly isn't. breaks your heart when you have to uh, lose your transplant because you can't afford your meds. You know, we had a, uh, leaving, you know, the, uh, the medical stuff for a while, um, we had a guest on who was a dog therapist, and she said that it's been proven that dog therapy lowers blood pressure. Is that, what do you, have you found different than that? Other than well, small dogs like poodles and uh, stuff. Well, being a dog lover, I'm sure that my dog lowers my blood pressure until she um, tries to chase that gopher through my tomato patch, in which case it raises my blood pressure considerably. But there have been studies in various situations um, where therapy dogs that visit hospitals um, have been very beneficial with regards to uh, patients' feelings of um, anxiety, for example, but also um, um, effects on um, stress mm -hmm. and blood pressure. Well, can you reverse heart disease? Um, is that possible? Once you know you get the diagnosis, you have heart disease, what do you have to do? There's um, a couple of aspects to this. People who have particularly high blood pressure over the years can get a very thickened heart muscle, something called LVH that has, left, you know, a name. Left ventricle hypertrophy. Very good. Okay. <laughs> and um, there certainly is data, in fact, good data in uh, patients with chronic kidney disease that if we lower blood pressure, if we use specific antihypertensives, and particularly ACE inhibitors and their cousins, that, that thickened heart muscle can get better. The heart thickness can normalize and that will cause the heart to pump better. With regards to atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries and coronary artery disease, that's a little bit tougher. There really isn't good data in kidney disease per se, um, with regards to reversing of coronary disease. Um, certainly the aspect in kidney disease um, of atherosclerosis, the component that comes from the high phosphorus and the tissue calcification with um, very good phosphorus control over time, those phosphorus deposits can resorb mm -hmm. and improve the situation. There certainly are medications and lifestyle changes that will prevent worsening of coronary disease and uh, prevent future heart attacks. Um, those, again, are things like lifestyle management, including exercise, control of blood pressure, low salt, control of your mm -hmm. cholesterol, control of diabetes, quitting smoking. Mm -hmm. All of those things are very helpful. What about the baby aspirin every day? How does that help? 
For people that already have coronary disease, baby aspirin may help uh, prevent a heart attack and stroke because one of the ways that folks with coronary disease suffer a heart attack is by small clot formation or platelets mm -hmm. that are cells in the blood that, uh, that promote clotting. Um, may accumulate in those narrowed coronary arteries and actually shut off the blood supply and that can cause a heart attack. Aspirin helps prevent those platelets, those blood, those blood cells, uh, from being sticky and helps prevent them aggregate and prevents those little micro Pushes them through. Clots. Pushes them through. Keeps so them moving. So why don't you take a regular aspirin? Why does it have to be a baby aspirin? Oh, that's complicated. <laughs> oh, it is? I mean, is it too much dosage? Yeah. Um, actually, what we try to do with um, really all medications is to give the uh, smallest effective right. dose. I can't take baby aspirin every day. I have to take it every couple of days because I'll start bleed, you know, I'll bleed out like under my skin and get bruises and so and, you you have to really work with your yeah, doctor yeah. to find out what's the right That's dose right. because more isn't better sure. always. and aspirin is another example of an, a medication that is available without a prescription mm -hmm. and yet has a lot of good things that can happen when you take right. it but also a lot of side effects and again uh, like no hematomas. one should take any of these medications without consulting with yeah, the like doctor a hematoma. Sure the right I mean, it, it what's can a make, hematoma it's like a huge bruise just by being tapped it, you can just start bleeding because it makes your blood thinner and it makes it, it it's hard to clot what are some of the signs if you have a heart problem like if you're i mean you have to oh my having a heart attack is that acid reflux what is it <laughs> how do you know well actually heart disease is often silent particularly in kidney patients classic symptoms of a heart attack you know chest pressure the elephant stepping on my heart you know shortness of breath may not occur in our kidney patients particularly in our diabetic kidney patients heart attacks can be silent meaning they have no symptoms um, the symptoms may be very subtle and and different it may simply be that you're more fatigued Mm -hmm. You may not be able to climb the three steps up to your front door, which you used to be able to do with ease. Um, it may be that you feel like you do have indigestion or you're more short of breath even when you haven't done any exercise. Um, it uh, actually can be a very sneaky sort of problem yeah. to have. And even more sneaky are the... the um, thickened heart muscle, the LVH, that happens slowly over time. You may, you may have no symptoms it. of that. The chronicity of the illness. Right. And, you know, the first symptom of having coronary artery disease may be heart attack and So it's like death. you get pain down your left arm. Is it true that it always goes down your left arm, the pain? No, it isn't. Um, it does in some. Um, some patients have no pain. Some patients have discomfort in their chest that they would never describe as pain per se. It may just be a heaviness. If the pain or the discomfort migrates, it may go up into the neck, may go into the back, may go down both arms or even the right arm. Um, but patients who have heaviness in the chest, more difficulty breathing, palpitations, pain in their arms, particularly if it occurs with uh, exertion, those are um, things that you should call your doctor about. Um, 
even if it's a weekend or in the evening or go to the emergency room to get those checked out because that may mean that there's um, heart problems and you certainly should bring those symptoms to the attention of, of your physician probably. That, that sounds so easy to call your doctor on a weekend, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much for being yes, here. We learned you. so much about the heart and its relationship to chronic kidney disease on dialysis and transplant patients. And, uh, you know, one time, you, you remember you said something about, you know, how far it is to go get the mail and you said, well, I usually have my wife do it, and, you know, and stuff. I did the same thing. I used to go, I, I went, honey, you know, it's time, go get the mail and everything. Unfortunately, the problem was I wasn't married at the time <laughs> and I never got my mail. Wow, I learned a lot about the heart and everything. I, I didn't know. know it had so much to do with kidney disease. Well, I think it's, everything's intertwined. All your organs kind of communicate with each other, and the heart is the boss. If it doesn't beat, nothing else gets blood supply. I actually call my heart the boss. You call your heart the boss. I go, the boss feels good today. <laughs> <laughs> but now, I, I know diabetics have a lot of... Uh, right. Because I, I was the spokesman for a campaign called The Heart of Diabetes, mm -hmm. and it was the correlation between heart disease and strokes and uh, with uh, diabetes. What did you learn? Nothing. Just to pay me to look good. Go look good, really. Yeah. I know, it took a lot. It Most took of a my lot. money went to plastic surgery. Oh, okay. And I'm I asked this malpractice. question and she couldn't answer it. How do what you how do you survive a broken heart, Stephen? A broken heart? Yes. You know, I don't know. I've For actually, heart health, I I've mean. I've actually never had a broken heart because never, I got ever. married as, you know, very, very no. young. What? You've had a broken heart. No, I've never You've had a never broken heart. You've never had a broken heart. No, I never really had a broken heart. I um I got married very very young, you know, and uh I'm still married. So, know. no broken heart. No. I've been I've been married 31 years. So, any advice? But I, I just four so different wives, you? though. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.